find out what's making you sick and how to heal. Anthony William is the medical medium. Hello, I'm Anthony William. You're listening to the Medical Medium Radio Show, where each week I talk about the most advanced healing information and secrets about health, much of which is not found anywhere else and is decades ahead of what's out there now. Also, we can help people and get people feeling better and moving forward because when you're dealing with anything that is in your way, in in health on any level, with the health of your body, health of your mind, you know, your soul, your spirit, your body, your physical nature, whatever it is, if we're dealing with something and it's in the way, then it's hard. It's hard because you know, the world is hard enough to live in. It's hard enough to live in. It really is. And um, for all walks of life, for all walks of life, for sure. I mean, for different reasons, for some, for different reasons, for others. But it's it, it's a difficult place. It's not a it's not such a easy easy place. That's why we always that's why we always when we raise our children we protect them and we we look after them because we know we know the world is a scary place. And as our children grow up, we're like we're nervous. We're nervous. We're nervous when they go off to college. We're nervous when they enter high school. We're nervous. Um, you know, when they meet people, we're nervous and there's reasons why we're nervous because let's face it. Okay. Yeah. The world is hard and we want every opportunity we can and best, best and safest and, and, um, and opportunity for our children. Just like, just like we would want for even ourselves as adults. And, and just because the world is always a difficult place in so many ways, so when we're sick, we don't feel good. We have symptoms. That, that we have symptoms that, that even though they have names to them and some don't have names to them, because, you know, in, in chronic illness, it's just, it's, it's not cracked up to where it's supposed to be. It's not, it's not up to that point. And, um, but if we have symptoms, whether they're named or not, it gets difficult. And because most all symptoms, most, almost all symptoms are mystery. They're mystery. And that's why, that's why we need, hey, look, and who has 10 years or 20 years to wait for an answer on a symptom? We got to do our best now. And we have to do what we can now. That's what this show is about. Because this is the only health show where the information here, it doesn't come from contaminated sources. It doesn't come from sources like interest groups and medical funding with strings attached to it, the botched research I talk about all the time, the lobbyists in the medical field, the internal kickbacks, the thumb on the scale and all kinds of science and research so it pushes it one way for reasons to fu- because of funding, persuaded belief systems that, that get so saturated they take over and they don't let any new ideas come in to private panels of influencers that have to go a certain way and vote a certain way on the medical field, both alternative and conventional, because of money involved to health field payoffs to trendy traps. Can you believe that stuff's in the way of getting us better? I mean, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind. And you're not going to get any of that here. The information here is pure. It's clean. It's untampered with. It comes from a source I was born to hear at age four, I received a, a, a voice that was speaking to me perfectly clear. I dedicated my entire life because I had no choice. I dedicated my entire life with working with that voice and making sure the information and, the, and, and 
what we need to heal and move forward is clean, it's pure, untampered with, and doesn't have all that stuff I just mentioned. And that's what this show's about. So it's the only health show that has that because even information that's swimming out there on the internet or anywhere else could have contamination to it in one way or another. Even if there's jewels and gems to pick from it that are pretty good, there's also some traps in there. We don't want that. We don't want that. So that's what this is about. Today, today we're talking about eating disorders. And, and this is a serious, serious thing. We're going to cover the serious eating disorder aspects that, that we know about. But we're going to cover also the other ones that aren't serious, but they're annoying. And, and there's a lot of things involved with eating disorders. There's a lot more than I think people know. And, and, you know, and when it comes down to eating disorders, okay, there's a lot of messed up stuff going on. I'm not talking about the people suffering with the eating disorder. I'm talking about the way it's viewed and understood in medical science and research talking about contaminated sources of information, talking about, you know, skewed funding and everything else and all that stuff I talked about, the you know, panels of influencers. When it comes down to eating disorders, it's viewed in a way that's really not that helpful. Of course, we have emergency medicine for people who have severe, severe eating disorders and, and, and you know, and uh, emergency strategies that are involved that are out there. It have saved lives, and I'm not denouncing that. But at the same time, there's really not a lot of helpful stuff going on out there in the medical world for people with serious, serious, serious eating disorders. It's just, it's not there. It's not there. Sure, if they took a few billion dollars or $20 billion and they put it just to eating disorders, it would be amazing. And they, and they opened up the, you know, and they freed they freed everything so it wasn't just so just trapped with, you know, problems in the industry. If they freed it to open to ideas and let really wonderful people in medicine say what they need to say and help people the way they need to help, we can move forward. But it's like that with a lot of diseases and illnesses and things we struggle with. But with eating disorders, it's really it's really sad because it's it's really a place that's not tapped into. It's a place that's not tapped into at all. It's real. And in fact, they try to, it's like black and white. They try to black and white it where it's like, okay, it's mental. You got a mental disease. You got this eating disorder. Um, you're losing weight. You're skinny. And, um, we got to do something drastic about it. And, um, and, but, but, but there's nothing, there's no in between. It's, it's rare to find that. And we just have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. We're going to talk about every kind of eating disorder. What do you mean by every kind? What do I mean by every kind of eating disorder? What do I mean by that? There's so many. You couldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. You won't believe it. It's unbelievable, actually. So that's what today's show, show is about. Okay, everybody? Um I know there's so many different illnesses. There's so many different um, things that are complicated in the health field. And, I, and, and we have so many shows that we have to do. The list is unbelievable. You know, I've been talking to Spirit and then talking to my assistant. And um, we've been putting, putting together a list of what we have to do and what's ahead of us. And I'm just like, oh, my God, dear God. I'm like, this, there's so many different, different illnesses, different conditions, different misconceptions. 
Um, it's just, it's, it's mind blowing, but spirit and I said, you know what? Eating disorders. We're doing that right now. We're doing that right now. We're doing that. So that's it. Um, Hey, make way, gain way, make way for, for, for the thyroid healing book coming. Make sure you get that on your list. You won't be disappointed. Um, there's a section in the book on cancer. There's a section in the book on cancer. I think is going to blow your mind information that nobody knows in the cancer field and um, nobody knows yet. And so it's really exciting. That's something that you might want to, you might want to get the book for just that alone. But, but there's other things too in the book that are really exciting, really exciting. And I don't think you'll be disappointed. I talk about how a healthy thyroid can help heal somebody's unhealthy thyroid and and how that can happen. Wait till you read that. And, and then that's really exciting too. I talk about thyroid medications, but but really about how it works with medication for thyroid. I talk about thyroid testing on how it's not as easy as everybody thinks, even when the numbers seem to come out right or something seems to come up like autoantibodies or something like that for Hashimoto's. When that happens, I talk about that in detail. I talk about the undiscovered hormones that the thyroid has that nobody knows about. Nobody. The undiscovered hormones that the thyroid has. Don't miss out on this. I won't let you down on this. This is, this is going to be exciting. Um, so here we are. Let's get, let's get into this. Let's figure this eating disorder thing out. Because all the years and decades I've been doing this, since the beginning... Okay, I've seen it all. I've seen it all with eating. I've seen it all with eating. And, and, and I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to talk about a few things here. Now, guess, guess who has eating disorders? The whole world. The whole world has an eating disorder of some kind, some way, somehow, some shape, some size. Someone, everyone has an eating disorder. Yeah. Do you believe me? You're probably mad, some of you. He's saying, I don't have an eating disorder. I got it down pat. I got it down. I got it. I got it straight. They come, the eating disorders range from being brainwashed, brainwashed on how to eat originally from the 1920s, 1930s, from the 1930s, actually 1933, 1933, when the schools were invaded with how you need to eat. And that was taking away healthy diets from families that knew, that had a lineage to knowing how to feed their children and feed their husbands and feed their family and feed, feed their loved ones. And that was stripped away by 1933 because this new doctrine came in, this law came in about, about how you should eat, about how much protein you need. And how many vegetables you don't need and how many fruits you don't need. And it's all about protein and protein became cheap because the industry exploded right before World War II. So animal protein became really, really cheap and was, became affordable purposely, purposely at this time. I'm not saying all this because I'm anti-animal protein. If you like it, fine. I'm just telling you how it went. And healthy diets that predated 1933 where families raised their children on out of the gardens and so forth, were starting to be like thrown on the back burner. And in the school system, 
It was in document. It was right there in the school system. The law became, here is what, here's what you need. Vegetables are down here. That's, that's the lowest amount you need. That's the smallest amount of things you need. And what's at the top of the, the top here, you, you, you got to have lots and lots of protein. That's at the very top. And the protein has to be animals. So it can't be nuts and seeds. And it can't be leafy greens. And it can't be those things at all. It has to be the animal products. This is when the animal world made a deal with the government, with the school systems. And they all kind of got together. And a deal was made in 1933. That alone created eating disorders, eating disorders that you think are healthy, but we're following the rules of the government on how to eat in 1933, which still sticks to us from our grandparents to our parents and so forth to us. And in some way, we still have a fabric of a little bit of the the eating disorder that was given to us, that was manufactured and given to us. How do you like them apples? Huh? How do you like them apples? But that's just one, one little piece of eating disorder information. That you'll never hear anywhere else but here. That's just one little, little piece. <laughs> there's, there's other pieces. The whole world has an eating disorder. I'm going to tell you that right now. There's no question. Because in all kinds of different places in the world, there's, there's places where people are starving. They get eating disorders because they're starving. Because you're rationing the whole bit. Just instant eating disorders. There's, there's places where there's abundance of food. But the way... Our bodies are viewed, and eating disorders can occur right there. There's eating disorders everywhere. There's eating disorders in all the colleges. Every single college campus, from A to Z, from here to there, the kids are all having eating disorders. I'm not talking about bulimia, which we're going to talk about, and I'm not talking about anorexia, which we're going to talk about, which is in the college campuses, too. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about drinking coffee till 2 o'clock. Drinking coffee just till t- till two o'clock. No breakfast. Just drink coffee all the way to two o'clock. That's what you do. Two, three in the afternoon, and then alcohol at night. You know, and then of course some food, but unhealthy food, and then alcohol at night. That's a, that's an eating disorder. Meanwhile, that that group, those group of people that still do that, even not in college, that we do here now, that we do that at work. Think that the only eating disorder people out there is people with bulimia and anorexia, and that's the only thing, and that's the eating disorder. No, wait a minute. That's no, 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 no. Nope, nope, nope. It's not how it works. Eating disorders are rampant, rampant, rampant. Adults that have to drink every night and have a glass of wine, that's an eating disorder. It's not just about alcoholism or anything like that. It's not about that. It's not even about that so much. Alcoholism, the eating disorder. It's an eating disorder. That's right. Have I said that's right enough lately? I don't think so. That's right. That you know, it, just alcohol alone is an you know that having to be in the diet on a regular basis in someone's life on a regular basis isn't there's an eating disorder there. Would you believe it? And then there's emotional eating disorders on all kinds of levels. There's OCD eating disorders. Yes, everything's got to be perfect and regimented down to the bone. Without a health problem, I mean. Without no health problems that are there, that are present. What I'm trying to say is that there's people that are dealing with health problems and health issues. They have to eat regimented because they got to keep their adrenal strong. They got to keep their electrolytes going. They have to keep their neurotransmitters strong because they got underlying conditions. Did I say that fast enough? 
dear, <laughs> dear Lord. Um, you know, basically what this means is that people with health conditions, yeah, they have to eat every two hours. I talk about that all the time. Spirit has taught me that every hour and a half, depending on what kind of adrenal problem somebody has, depending on a liver problem, all these different things. And that, that's even difficult enough. And that can create different kinds of eating disorders for different reasons. But we do the best we can. But what really creates eating disorders, really creates them, is this notion, this notion that we need three meals a day and three meals a day only. That creates them. Because then if someone has a health problem and they have to eat every hour and a half and they have to munch on celery sticks and a handful of nuts and some apple slices, someone's going to call them call them out and say, hey, you got an eating disorder if you have to eat every hour and a half and you have to eat an apple and, and, and celery. Sure, we could say that. But really what that's doing is saving somebody's adrenals and saving their health and rebuilding them and recovering them. But someone who regimentally regimented has to eat three meals a day and believes anybody else who eats different has a, has a problem – that's an eating disorder. That's one right there. That right there. That becomes an OCD variety of eating disorder. Also, you know, so here's the thing. That's how confusing it all is. So what I'm trying to say is if someone's actually doing a protocol that's regimented, the proper kind of protocol that's there to rebuild their health and heal, it's needed and you have to do it. Even if that's someone... When they don't need that anymore, it's hard to break. And that's what I meant by it being possibly an eating disorder. Maybe two years is what you needed to rebuild your adrenals. Two and a half years is what you needed to build your, rebuild your adrenals. But now, you know, you're afraid to leave that one hour to an hour and a half of, 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 of grazing. And you're afraid to go two and a half hours that day or three hours and you get nervous. And that's when it can become like that. But that, but that was to rebuild your adrenals. That was to rebuild you. That was to heal you. And that's no problem because you can get past that, but it's hard to get past, it's hard to get past so many other traps that are out there, real traps, traps in the industry, like I just said, that date back all the way to 1933. And those are serious. And those are really serious. And then you got, of course, you got, when it comes down to emotional eating, Emotional eating, that means, you know, you got stress. It's one way of coping with stress. But I'm going to talk about that. Let's talk about that now. Why does somebody emotionally eat? They emotionally eat. And I'm going to tell you right now what it is. Not because they're missing something necessarily, meaning they're missing something in their life, whether it's love life or anything else. That's not really totally the answer. They're emotionally eating because they're trying to get enough glucose to the brain. It's so critical. And to the liver. They're getting to try to get to, to uh, compensate for any kind of stress that they're under. Some people have, they have glycogen storages that are really down low in the brain because the brain is made out of glycogen, which is a carbohydrate. I swear to God, if some says the brain is made out of fat one more time, I'm just meaning in the health field. A professional and expert says the brain is made out of fat one more time. I don't know what to say anymore because I'm going to tell you right now, it's not made out of fat. There are traces, traces of squalene, traces of, of, of omega-3s, traces in the brain. I repeat, 
traces. Do you know what traces means? Traces mean minuscule, very small amounts, tiny levels of fat in the brain. The brain is made out of cells and glycogen, carbohydrate stored. That's why the brain atrophies when you don't use it. It atrophies. It's made out of carbohydrate. The brain thrives on sugar and it stores an abundance of glycogen because what runs the brain is that glycogen, is that carbohydrate. That's how literally how, how messages get through the brain. That's how it gets through the brain. It's really important to understand this. It is. Because people lose all their glycogen in their brain when they're under stress. They start losing their glycogen. They start losing their glucose. And they start needing bagels. And they need donuts. And they emotional eat. They're under stress. They're under stress for one minute. And they're gobbling down anything. They're gobbling down something. Pizza. They're gobbling down anything they can find. Chocolate. Whatever they can find. And they, a lot of times people gobble down all the wrong stuff. When you're under that kind of stress, which makes you gobble down more because it can, it, it can get in the way of sugar and glycogen getting to the brain. It could get in the way of that getting to the brain. And then if you have a body image, if someone has a body image and they think they got to be really skinny and they think they're overweight and, and, and they're starving themselves of carbohydrate and then it making them binge later, that, that, that's a whole recipe for a disaster. But on the emotional end of eating, the emotional scale of eating, I mean, it ranges from all kinds of different levels everywhere. I mean, you go under stress, you need to eat something. And I'm not talking about when, boom, you just got the news, you just got a divorce. I mean, your partner just, you know, threw a divorce on you, walked through the door and said, you know, we're done or your soulmate or whatever. I'm not talking about that. That might not, you might not eat at all when that happens for, for a month. You might starve yourself. I've seen that happen all the time where you don't eat anything because you're too sick. You're too sick from the trauma to even eat anything. But then later on after that, once you start recovering from that trauma, you might start eating, 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 eating because your brain is like, oh, my God, I lost all that glycogen from the trauma. I need as much sugar as possible. Or say you're in the workplace and you're up against you. You've got some really difficult people. You got some really difficult people at the workplace. They're driving you nuts and you're just like, oh my God. And you're just eating yourself, eating yourself sick. And I don't blame you one bit, 100%. I've been under a lot of stress over the years. My God. Now hearing spirit and helping people out in the way I've had to help out people in all the offices that I've had over the years and helping people out. And as much as I did this since I was a kid, you name it, you know, I would just be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to eat that right now. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> my brain needs that fuel i'm gonna eat it oh it's not a good choice though i get it i, I know i didn't pick a good choice i sure came to uh to a bad choice of food i sure came to a bad choice of food look look the deal is that everybody's got an eating disorder i have to be honest i have to be straight if you think you got it all sewed up and you think you got it all down you think you got it down perfect uh, it's possible you don't, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. 
I think we're too hard on people that are bulimic and anorexic. We're too hard on people. Way too hard. We make it like the whole world has it sewed up except for them. I mean, come on. That, that's ridiculous and also terrible. Terrible. Because that's what happens. That's what happens. Because, you know, women and men, mostly women, okay, that have the anorexia, that have the bulimia, all right, they feel like it's just them, just them only. And they feel like everybody's eating perfectly, whatever that may be, and that they're, they're screwing up. It's disastrous. It's not true. It's not true. There are so many different eating disorders and so many different levels and ways. I can't even cover it in a show. There's no way. It's not even possible. I'm going to try to cover what I can. Just the OCD variety of eating is unbelievable what people want and what they do, of what they like, of what, they're, what they palate or what they like or what they're afraid of. They're afraid of trying something new, of having that tuna fish sandwich every single lunch, <clears throat> every single lunch for 30 years. That's an eating disorder. 40 years. Having that tuna for lunch every single day, every other day for lunch, and then grilled cheese on, you know, maybe a couple of days a week, and that's it. And that's their lunch, and it's regimented, and it has to be that, that, that way for 40 years. That, that's an eating disorder. <laughs> I tell you right now. <laughs> you, see what I'm, you see where I, I'm, I am here with this? It's really difficult. So it's just to what, what degree somebody has an eating disorder, and what's the underlying cause of one? With bulimia and anorexia, 90% of the cause is heavy metal toxicity to the brain. Mostly mercury, mostly mercury inside the brain that came from some source from childhood or from pre-source in the womb or from pre-source before that from the parents. Or like I said, from childhood, mercury entered the body somehow, some way into a child, into a baby. That is the future of a possible anorexia or bulimia. That's 90%, 90%, easy 90% or more. The other 10% or less, depending on where we are in the world or what, where we are, but the other 10% or less is some kind of emotional trauma, some kind of emotional trauma that happened to the brain that caused emotional scarring in the brain itself on a physical level, not just on a soul level, on a physical level, on a physical level, something happened, but that's much less, much less, much less on the scale for anorexia and bulimia than the heavy metal poisoning. And here's the problem with the heavy metal poisoning. Professionals in the field of, you know, the whole bulimia, the field of bulimia, the field of anorexia, those professionals don't know about the mercury, have no clue that the mercury is causing this on any level or started it. They don't have a clue about that. That's a problem. They just think it's all just emotional, all just scarring, all just emotional. And they do the best they can and they help people out the best they can. I completely understand that and completely respect that on every level. But but it's it's the mercury. It's the mercury toxicity. It's the mercury poisoning. And that's what it is. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So when it comes down to, when it comes down to 
healing bulimia, healing anorexia, one thing we have to understand is that there's an adrenaline factor. I've talked about this before. For instance, with bulimia, when you vomit, it, it forces the adrenals to flood the whole body with adrenaline. This becomes a distraction. If it's if okay, say it's say you have bulimia because ten percent the ten percent of the people have bulimia, it's because of an emotional trauma. Well, by vomiting, the adrenals flood the body with adrenaline. It becomes euphoric. All that adrenaline hits the brain, and it actually is like heroin. It's 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 like heroin. It's like a drug. And it gets into the brain, it saturates the brain, it completely takes over the brain. And that becomes extremely addictive. So addictive that you get addicted to the adrenaline factor. You're getting addicted to the adrenaline surge when it comes down to bulimia. There's an adrenaline surge. So it actually, the adrenaline starts to then you get trained where... Before you vomit, if you even think about vomiting, your adrenals start to rev up and they start releasing tons and tons of epinephrine. Like we're talking loads of epinephrine, saturate the body, run up to the brain, and it actually makes you vomit. And then you're in the trap. It becomes a severe addiction, severe addiction to adrenaline. And that's what the real thing is happening. Now, say you're somebody with bulimia. And you got the mercury poisoning, which is the 90, 90% or more. And you got the mercury poisoning in the brain. And it's that variety, of, that, that variety of bulimia. The same thing happens. When you vomit, the adrenaline goes to the brain and it eases. It eases. It helps electrical impulses bypass the mercury, which actually feel like a cure for the illness for that moment. So vomiting becomes this instinctive wanting to cure the problem through using epinephrine, for using adrenaline. And it becomes severely addictive and we're in the binging and throwing up, binging and throwing up, binging and throwing up. And then body image can fit into any of that because body image is into every... Here's the problem too. It's Body image will, will fall into any kind of anorexia or any kind of bulimia that say heavy metal caused or trauma caused the reason why it fits in because it fits in with every single person right now on planet earth, especially women. They all have to deal with body image. It just so happens that if you got the mercury poisoning too, and the addiction to the adrenaline from vomiting, and you got the normal body image worry that every girl has growing up on planet earth right now, because the world makes it happen like that. When that happens and it's added into that, then that's what takes the blame only. Body image takes the blame because professionals don't know there's mercury poisoning involved. Professionals don't know there's a serious addiction to the adrenaline like no other, like a serious drug. So they point only to body image or some kind of mental illness. And this is, this is why it's so hard. So someone with bulimia, if they know they're addicted to the adrenaline and they have to fight that addiction to the adrenaline, and if they could just bypass that, they can be free. They could be free. And that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And also another thing too is is a carbohydrate critical for healing anorexia or bulimia. And I'm going to talk about more about anorexia, but for bulimia, a carbohydrate is critical for healing it because if you starve – Carbohydrates, someone with bulimia, 
it only makes it worse. They'll end up binging on carbohydrates, just like a person without bulimia does. You put somebody on a no-carb diet, they're going to go on binges or they're going to have alcohol at night. They're going to do something. They're going to do something. They're going to break their diet someday, and when they do, it's going to be crazy binging. What they think is crazy binging, it's going to be eating four slices of pizza and then back on their no-carb diet for three weeks, and then boom, binging again with five bagels, and boom, back to the no-carb diet. It's just though they don't have bulimia. They don't have the addiction to the adrenaline and they're vomiting all the time. So, but if you take somebody with bulimia and you starve them of carbohydrates, God forbid, then you better believe they're going to, they're going to go on a binge. They're going to go on a binge and they're going to vomit and they're going to get the adrenaline high. So they need a healthy carbohydrate, but if you give them a bad carbohydrate, mentally they're going to be like, whoa, i got to throw this up. Now I'm filled with bad carbohydrates. I'm filled with bagels and donuts. That's why fruit is so critical for someone with bulimia. I've helped recover people with bulimia over the decades with just fruit because they could eat all the fruit they want. They knew it was a healthy carbohydrate, and here's a problem right now. In the industry right now, there's a contamination that got into the alternative world of healing, and now it's unconventional too started in the alternative world of healing and in it's the no fruit anti-fruit movement don't ever let that contaminated um, belief system get in your way they used it they they're using it against you you don't even know using it against you remember the first person who, who brought this into the system i know why they did i know who it is i'm not going to mention names but i know why they brought it in they brought it in so that you wouldn't eat fruit but you would buy their supplements that had fruit in it and that's how it started just it was it was unbelievable it was the perfect timing for this contamination to bust on the scene because at the same time there were all these people trying to get away from bad sugars so it was perfect. It fit right in and it took over. Now fruit, fruit was thrown into the whole basket. It's been disastrous. And that's what I mean when I talk about at the beginning of the show, that very thing I talk about, about this information is not contaminated. It's so critical to know this. And when you're dealing with bulimia, fruit is the way to go. Because if, if, if someone with bulimia knows they have the adrenaline addiction, if someone with bulimia knows that fruit is a healthy carbohydrate that they need and it won't cause a body image problem, if that's even factored in eventually, if that becomes the escape goat, then fruit is the answer because the carbohydrate can get to the brain. It can help heal the brain because the brain's not made out of fat. It's made out of glycogen. This was figured out by science actually long ago. I mean, they figured this one out. But it didn't fit. It didn't fit the industries. It didn't fit the industries. And that's a whole other story of why this is happening. Where why the the brain is they're they're avoiding the fact that the brain is the the experts right now are avoiding the fact that that the brain is 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 filled with carbohydrate. And we're going to do a whole show on that someday. That's on the list. That's on that big list. So someone with bulimia has to have fruit in their diet. They have to. They have to get the carbohydrates to help the adrenals. they got to keep the blood sugar balanced because once blood sugar drops, that can create bulimia all on its own when you have it already, when you're addicted to the adrenaline issue. It's critical. It's got to go to the brain. It's got to help the brain heal. And then you got to do the heavy metal detox. you got to do the detox smoothie. 
You got to do the right kind. You got to get a little bit of the swine spirulina in there, a little bit of the Vimergy barley grass juice in there. You got to get a little bit of the, um, you got to get some wild blueberries in there. You got to get a little bit of dulse in there. You got to get a little bit of cilantro in there every single day. And you got to start taking the mercury down. You start taking that mercury down and a couple years later, the fight won't be so hard. The person will get stronger and stronger. Less occurrences will happen. Less addictions to adrenaline will happen. And less mercury in the body will happen. And somebody can actually heal from bulimia without being force-fed massive drugs, told they have this unbelievable mental illness and suffering occurring. This is serious stuff. And, you know, this can happen. Of course they need a support system. Anybody with any illness, especially bulimia or anorexia, needs a support system. And I know that. I know that's a difficult part. If that's not there, boy, does that make it hard. And I get it. I get it. So maybe you know somebody and you give them a little support on it. A little bit goes a long way. A little bit goes a long way. You tell somebody with bulimia that the whole world is an eating disorder. They're not the only ones. You tell somebody that. So the shame falls down and and gets stripped away. The shame and the guilt and everything else that comes with it that shouldn't be there. (sighs) That shouldn't be there because that gets in the way too like no other. So if you know somebody with anorexia, you tell them, look, everybody's got an eating disorder to some degree. We just, yours is, yeah, yours has gotten to a serious point. We need to do something about it. Absolutely. But it's important that people, and that was another thing too, that helped people with bulimia and anorexia that I met over the years. And many of them was that they were like, what do you mean everybody else has an eating disorder? I said, no, everybody else has an eating disorder. I don't care who it is. I don't care if somebody thinks they got it all sewed up. Something, something's going on. Something's going on. Here's the thing. We all have to eat. We all have to eat to survive. We all have to eat to live. We have to eat to live here on earth. We have to survive. That's our fuel intake. That's what does it. That's what's critical. We need that fuel intake. That is so important. So it's easy for anything to to slip through our fingers in one way or another. It's easy to eat the wrong things. It's easy to drink alcohol. It's easy to do things that we're not supposed to do, starve ourselves or whatever it is. That's how fast and, and, and easy that eating disorders occur and can occur. It's that easy. So, so let's go into some other stuff here. Anorexia, definitely mercury problem. Also a percentage of, of if something terrible happened, meaning something really, really intense emotionally, some kind of experience, some kind of abuse, something happened um, that, that, and here's a problem with anorexia and bulimia. You can have a combination of both. You get a mostly mercury and then, yes, some kind of emotional, physical abuse happens too in that person's life. And then you got the combination of both. So with anorexia, it's about getting, you know, it's about the heavy metals too, getting the heavy metals out in some way, some, some, some way, some shape. I noticed that I've seen fruit heal people with anorexia more than any other food because mentally it fit in perfectly where they felt they were eating something healthy. But then what they were getting were carbohydrates that were so needed for every organ so they didn't atrophy. And with anorexia, your organs atrophy, but you can get those organs to come back. But they atrophy, everything gets smaller. Pancreas gets really small. Pancreas gets really small and you can bring that pancreas back. Everything gets small. Brain gets smaller. Pancreas gets smaller. It's not just about thinning out, losing weight, and being really, really extremely thin. It's not just about, it's about the organs, the atrophy. 
And I know, I, I know there's, there's uh, some doctors that know that, that the organs atrophy, they totally understand that. That's, that I don't think that's new. But f- what is new is that fruit is critical for bringing back organs that are atrophied with somebody with anorexia. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And with somebody with anorexia, when you have the mercury poisoning in the brain, sending signals not to eat, creating nausea in the vagus nerve, creating nausea and no appetite in the vagus nerve, because you can get a signal that goes wrong with mercury, creating non-hunger. And, you know, with anorexia, when that happens, fruit is the greatest weapon. It's the greatest weapon because it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel so overburdening. It doesn't feel like you just ate a loaf of bad bread. It doesn't feel like you ate, you know, a steak. It's somebody with anorexia forcing them to eat chicken or forcing them to eat steak could be disastrous. Very difficult on them. Very difficult because that's what happens. It's like eat, eat, eat. Person has to eat. We got to get milk in them. We got to get, it's all the wrong foods. Someone with anorexia, you got to get avocado milk in them. You blend avocado with water in the blender. And that's something that's really, really good for somebody with anorexia. Got to do banana milk, throwing bananas in the blender with water and doing lots of banana milk. It's critical for somebody with anorexia because once you feed the brain and your brain make the brain stronger, even if there's vomiting in between this with both anorexia and bulimia, if you feed the brain when you do get a chance or say with somebody with anorexia that they, you know, I'm listen, I, you, you may be dealing with this and suffering with the anorexia for years. You, you know better than anybody. But if you do eat something, you might not eat something for a long time after that. If that happens, we want that something to actually pay off. So if you get the banana milk in you or you get some melon in you and you get the, the critical carbohydrates to the brain – and to the organs to stop atrophying, and then you end up not eating because the, because of the reasons of everything above with anorexia. Then then at least you fed the organs, even if the weight's not coming back yet. Something to to understand. <clears throat> you know, people who drink coffee every single day and they have to rely on it. That's a disorder. That's a disorder right there. It's as simple as that. People who eat too much chocolate every day, that's an eating disorder. People who have to eat chocolate every day, and then they have to switch and get the better chocolate, and they're still eating it every single day. They're throwing it in their smoothies. They're told by some experts out there it's the greatest thing for your health. That's an eating disorder. I mean, they're high on chocolate. You can't tell, but you're, you're high on chocolate all day long. And what that does is that does weird things. It suppresses hunger in different ways. It does different stuff. It maxes out the adrenals. You can still have some chocolate. But that literally constitute as an eating disorder. I, yeah, this is a tough show. This is a tough show. We got to stay lighthearted about it at the same time when it comes down to those things. It, it, you know, and then the obsession about foods to avoid. Obsession about foods to avoid. Now, if you have a reason why you're avoiding a food, if you know you got like the Epstein Barr virus, you don't want to feed it eggs. You better believe you need to avoid eggs. Absolutely. You have to avoid eggs. You need to. You don't want to feed a virus a food once you learn that that's what feeds a food. But if you're avoiding a food, there's no reason at all. You're not dealing with a health problem. And you're avoiding a food that's really not that bad for anybody. 
and you're avoiding it because you heard something about it and you're avoiding with everything you got. It's probably not. There's probably other things you do in your diet that are probably worse, put it that way. I mean, there's so many different ways to go. It's unbelievable. And then there's underlying illness for eating disorders. There's hypoglycemia. There's adrenaline issues. I mean, there's adrenal fatigue, hypoglycemia, electrolyte deficiencies, neurotransmitter deficiencies in people every single day, people suffering with all kinds of problems, people that are getting diagnosed with bipolar, but really they're having serious problems with their blood sugar and they're diagnosed with bipolar, being bipolar. And, and really they just have a blood sugar problem where it's going up and down too fast and it can't stabilize because of adrenals in the liver because the liver is sluggish. There's 15-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds with really sluggish livers. And and so they can't balance the they can't balance the glucose in the, in their blood. So they're they're having mood swings left and right up and down. Then they get thrown a diagnosis, then they get put on Ritalin, then they get put on they get put on all these kinds of drugs and and whatever it is. And then you have that going on. When really and all that does is end up creating an eating disorder. When really someone needs to teach somebody that has hypoglycemia caused by either adrenal fatigue when they're young or a liver problem, how to eat. Because if you don't, then it could become a serious eating disorder and lead to an eating disorder. And so, for instance, when you have that kind of up and down in the mood swings, you have to eat every hour, hour and a half. And it has to be something that has a sodium in it, like a sodium in it in the sense where it has to be celery stick. It has to be some spinach. It has to be, um, um, you know, it has to be some spinach, celery, has to be some guacamole, has to be a handful of nuts, has to be um, um, cucumber slices, apples, has to be lemon water, all these different things you need in and out of it all. Um, Raw honey, lemon water, that's a great mix if you put that together and you can even put a little touch of sea salt in there if you wanted to. And make a drink out of that. There's different things. There's different ways of keeping really balanced. Or maybe you're just having some trail mix, but it's every hour. Or maybe you're just having some hummus every hour. But that's what you need when it comes down to anybody with any kind of hypoglycemia that's getting mood swings. I mean, the, the hypoglycemia mood swings where it's like up and down and all over the place. You have to eat like this. And then someone could say, hey, that person is eating disorder because they have to eat every hour to keep themselves balanced. No, they have a real reason why they have to. They have a condition that's developing, and this is a real way of fixing it. Just like if someone has straight adrenal fatigue, this is a real way of fixing it. But the eating disorder could come from somebody else complaining to bet to somebody about what they're doing and how they don't like it. That alone can, can be challenging in creating a disorder. I mean, there's also blame everywhere. Everybody's blaming everybody of what they're eating and if they're eating right. Everybody has their own idea of how to eat and what to eat. It's insane. And that alone can create eating disorders in every single person. I'm going to tell you right now, the information I've ever given out in food for illnesses and food for problems and everything else and how you eat, there's reasons behind it. Reasons that research science don't understand or re- reasons that are just – that are above the trends out there about how to stay healthy and heal. And that's different. And I'm saying that's not even 100% perfect in the sense because if someone's doing that and they finally heal and they're better, they might be afraid to stop. I've had people that have healed themselves from the worst, worst adrenal fatigue on the planet. 
I mean, literally, they were just, they couldn't get out of bed. They had neuro fatigue and adrenal fatigue from, from a virus and from the fact that their adrenals were spent. They couldn't even get out of bed. I had them eating every 45 minutes. Every 45 minutes, I recovered them, got them moving again, got them out of bed, got their life back. Three years later, they were stronger than ever, but afraid to drop the every 45 minutes. They would call me and say, look, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to stop eating. It's to stop eating every 45 minutes because it saved my life. I would say, no, you're going to, you're acting like you're, you're acting like you're going to get your eating disorder. Now you can go an hour and a half. You got strong. You can go two hours. You got strong. You can go if you had to. You can go three hours if you had to. You got strong. And then they have, they have to break it. So even when you heal somebody, they can get a little bit of, a, of an OCD or a little bit of an eating disorder. Even after you heal them from a terrible illness or something that was terrible or something that was keeping them down in their life. So just imagine when that's not even in the mix and all the people out there, just this is how you eat. This is how you eat. This is the new way. This is the diet you want to be on. Um, you have to have all this chocolate. You have to have all this. You have to have this. It's unbelievable. And yeah, if you're anorexic, that just means you're, you got a mental illness and that's really what it is. And you need to eat, 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 eat. There's more to it than that. Of course you have to eat, but there's more to it than that. There's so much there. There's so much there. The people that avoid food all day and drink at night, that's a terrible eating disorder. I mean, there's the people that they're out in the workforce every day. They're out there every day. They avoid food all day. They just avoid food all day long. Well, then they, then they have these reasons why. <laughs> that's, a, that's a major drinking. I mean, that's a major drinking disorder, too, that can happen. But there's people that avoid food all day that don't drink. And then they eat that one meal at night, you know, and, and mean, but there's some people that legitly, they, they have a job and they're forced to do that. I mean, I know nurses that literally don't have a, a minute to eat anything. I mean, they're running around all day long. It's so difficult for them to even have a snack. I mean, you might be one of them, right? It is so difficult to even have a snack or to eat right or for lunch. And, and, and the lunch and the lunch room in the hospitals alone are just terrifying. They're better than they were 20 years ago. But they can, they're still not that great, especially if you have a health condition you're trying to work with or adrenal fatigue and you're pushed all day long as a nurse. And at home, you get home and you're just eating and eating. I totally understand but this, 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 yeah, so it's hard to avoid not creating some kind of small eating disorder because you're put forced into it. You're pushed into it. Totally agree. But let's be happy about something. It's okay to have eating disorders, okay? It's okay to have some kind of eating disorder. And guess what? We all got them. We all got them in some way, some shape, some fashion, somehow. We all have some or one or something. From high school kids to college kids to adults in the workforce to um, to to old, the older generation to elders, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. I've seen people in their 80s eat a big, big pie filled with wheat and lard and everything, but eat the whole damn pie, like a whole pie. And and you know, like 85 years old, but but eating a whole pie at once. I've seen it. And, you know, and then stuffed and can't breathe. How have I seen it? I've had people call me in that condition or I've had somebody call before the, because their grandfather ate a whole pie. <laughs> I've seen it all. And, 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 and the grandfather would tell you he's never had an eating disorder his whole life. He'd been eating fine his whole life. 
And then, then I then I hear from the grandchild. I hear from the grandchild, um, his granddaughter, that he's been he's been eating till he can't breathe on and off his whole life. He's always been stuffing himself. So I mean, it's just like this. It's like this. Getting your liver stronger is important with any kind of eating disorder. That means getting lots of leafy greens when you can. Getting lots of fruits and leafy greens. If you eat animal protein, minimize it to one serving a day. There's nothing wrong with that. So what? I'm not against animal protein. You could have one serving a day of it. If you're a vegan, don't eat barrels and barrels of nuts. Have a handful of nuts periodically throughout the day. A couple of handfuls. Do more leafy greens. Do more fruits. Do some winter squash. Do things like that. If you're 100% raw, you don't have to do, you know, a winter squash that's cooked or whatever. You can be all raw. Do lots of leafy greens, lots of fruits. If you're plant-based and all raw, you can do some nuts and seeds. If you're vegetarian, if you're vegetarian, try not to, you know, overdo fish. Make sure it's salmon. If you're doing fish, it's a better one than most of them. And if you're, you know, if you're a meat eater and you're big on meat eater, meat eating, just do, you know, one serving of meat a day. Make sure there's more leafy greens, more vegetables, more fruits especially leafy greens, in your diet to help your liver clean up. It can prevent any kind of eating disorder, getting the liver cleaned up. Getting more fruit in the diet gets glucose to the liver and the brain, which can avoid even the most basic food disorder, eating disorder. It's incredible. If you're feeling like you got any kind of health concern at all, you want to keep your adrenal strong. You want to eat every two hours. If you feel like you got adrenal fatigue, you eat every hour. If you feel like you got neuro fatigue, you eat every hour and you just do this every day and you have snacks all day long and you keep enough food going in. That's important for any kind of adrenal issues, even liver issues, even brain issues, bipolar, ups and downs, mood swings, all that kind of thing. Okay, very important. ADHD, all of it. You want to keep food coming in. You don't want it. There's nothing worse than having ADD or ADHD and not eating for four hours but then taking medication, but not eating for four hours. And that's a disaster for, for an eating disorder. Like that's, that's heading to an eating disorder, that alone. I'm giving you every tip, tidbit I can in the, in the time we have. So these are some, this is, this is all, this is all just part of it all. And I know I'm harsh when I say, look, I know I'm harsh when I say, anyone who still thinks the brain is made out of fat, what being told right now, by professionals is professionals just don't know the brain isn't made out of fat. It's got traces of fats and they are important, but they're nothing like the importance of the carbohydrates and the glycogen that's stored inside the brain that keeps electrical impulses moving and it keeps the neurotransmitter strong. Glucose is actually one of the most critical components to an electrical impulse inside the brain running down a neuro neuron to save your butt every day. And this is done through carbohydrates. Don't eat donuts. Don't eat bad bagels. Don't eat tons of loaf. Don't eat loaves of bread. That's not kind, the kind of stuff, the carbohydrates I'm talking about. Get the winter squash, the sweet potatoes, the regular potatoes. If you, if you don't like those, do lots of fruits, bananas, papayas. I know, you know, whatever you can, mangoes, apples, oranges, bring them all in. Look, I love you guys. Thank you for being here for this show. It went by so quick. I don't even know what happened. I hope I got enough information out. I'll just keep on doing shows over if I have to, too. I love you. Thank you for being here. This gift I got was given to you. It wasn't given to me for me. It was given to me for you. I love you dearly. Take one day at a time and uh, take care. Bless you. Bless you. Bye-bye.